Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book diva, Bonnie Golden, and also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Sorry, I'm trying to do two things and I'm not doing well at either of them. I didn't get on the dark web. Like, could I get on it from my house? I always thought it was like a special kind of like, I don't know what I think the dark web is. But I feel like it's not something that I could just like type in www.darkweb and get to. How do you get on the dark web? Now well, they're not yeah. going to tell you because well, you're not supposed to get on it. Well, here it is. What is the oh, dark shit. web? How to access it and what you'll find. <laughs> I was just saying uh, that some woman like hired a hitman off the dark web to kill the wife of a man she met online. And I'm like, I wouldn't even. I mean, not that I would do that, but I wouldn't even know how to go about doing that. Let's see. It's the part of the Internet that isn't visible to search engines and requires the use of an anonymizing browser called Tor to be accessed. I don't know how you get Tor. And like God only knows what I'm going to get on my searches now that I've searched for this. You know? Now the FBI is going to come and get you. Uh-huh. Yeah. They are monitoring your every move now. Not everything is illegal. The dark web also has a legitimate side. For example, you could join a chess club. Wow. Well, then why is it in the dark web? Why couldn't that just be in the normal web? Maybe for people who want to hide the fact that they play chess, maybe their friends would think they're too intellectual or something. It's goth Uh, chess. It's goth chess. Incels only want to play with other incels. And apparently there's also something called the deep web. (laughs) Well, what's the difference between that? That's where the deep web and dark web are sometimes used interchangeably, but they are not the same. Deep web refers to anything on the Internet that is not indexed by and therefore accessible via a search engine like Google, which I thought is what they just said the dark web was. What the hell is the point of that? Anything How would you get behind, traffic? Oh, anything behind a paywall or anything that requires sign-in credentials. People are always talking about how easy it is to do, like, illegal things. Like, how easy it is to get, like, drugs or to, like, hire a hitman. And I'm like, seriously? I don't have any freaking clue how I would go about doing any of that shit. Yeah. Like, here would be me. If I was told, you have to go score some cocaine or else we're going to kill your family. I would, like, be like, um... Been nice knowing you. (laughs) I would go out in the street and just be like, where would I get cocaine? Like, I would just stream, like, cocaine? Anyone? Like, I would be holding up a sign. Well, podcast for cocaine. In the day, they used to have um, overcoats, and then they would sell you a watch. Um, <laughs> like that. Do you look for something specific? I mean, I wouldn't want to actually do it. I just want to know how other people do it. I'm not even tell you the stuff my mother told me about eyeliner. I'm starting to think I heard a lot of things based on what my mother did and did not want me to do when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Eyeliner was like, what was it she used to? Oh, all the girls that wore eyeliner always got pregnant. Mm. So, like there was a connection? Yeah. <laughs> and I and for a while I was like, that's weird. 
you know, my mom tried Trying to tell to me. Trying think of what the connection is. That I wasn't. I can, a, I can see you at yeah. your, at your, you know, like senior exam in, in health sciences. And said, how does pregnancy occur? Well, the sperm come out of the eyeliner tube and then they get in through the tear ducts and they go down. They go all the way down to the uterus. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have, when we had sex ed, it was just like, here's the fallopian tubes and stuff. Like there was no like yeah. put a condom on a banana or like no. here are the ways that you can use contraception or to this day, I have never seen a condom out of the package in mm. person. I'm always reading books about how they tie them off. And I'm always kind of like, like a balloon. Like I'm confused how that works. They tie it just so that the stuff inside doesn't come out when they throw it away. Well, I mean, I figure that's why I just. I don't know if I would want to tie it in a knot. That thing is pretty freaking slimy and gross. I just kind of, I kind of picture you it. You rinse like it off the and then dry of a glove, it. And... <laughs> which I know can't be true, except for, you know, the extra smalls, maybe. But that's exactly how I picture it. Like the finger of a glove. Like a latex glove. Not a fuzzy glove, because, ow. But well, it's like the finger of a Mickey Mouse glove. Yeah. You know, bigger than normal fingers. With like a little smaller. Um, okay, and now you've destroyed Mickey Mouse for me. <laughs> With a little Mickey smaller pouch. If Mickey fingers. Mouse, yeah. If Mickey Mouse had a little bit of a nail at the end, because there's that little reservoir at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Google it. Look it up. There are too many other things to Google. <laughs> I mean, if you're really curious, you're better than me. If I'm curious about anything, I look it up. Or find I mean, it in a book. I do too. This is, oh, and this is interesting. Now, none of you are below Generation X. I have no. a theory that millennials on down, because they've kind of grown up with the internet, are not real into looking shit up on the internet. Have you ever noticed that younger people, like, my kids come to me with all these questions, and I say, look it up, and they scoff at me. And honestly, there are a lot of people in my life who are younger, like not to my kids level young, but who like will question me about something and I will look it up and give them the answer. And then I think to myself, you could have done this very easily. Yeah. Like I'll say, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. And then I'll be like, I can find out. And then I think to myself, you could have done this too. Is it just me? Seriously, you guys have never encountered this? Well, What's Tyler looks stuff up all the time, but I know people like my age or maybe a little bit older. Yeah, a lot of times they'll ask me questions and I'll just look it up online. Well, is it because they just don't want to bother looking it up or because they are skeptical about stuff on the Internet? Maybe they just don't think about it because, you know, I it wasn't a part of their growing up. I don't think about it. Yeah. I mean, if you Which haven't is weird. Used, yeah, if you haven't used a computer your whole life, then... Or you don't really use the computer a lot at home. See, I love just it. looking shit up because I can remember when I would have reports due and I either had to find the information in my family's Encyclopedia Britannica or I had to look through a freaking card catalog and check out periodicals and all that kind of garbage. And now I'm like, look at me. I can. Oh, yes. Let's check. WebMD and find out that I'm dying of things. Like, I mean, it's kind of bad for some things. Look at the worst case scenario. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, my mother's in her 70s and she looks up everything. I mean, she would never call me and be like, 
hey, what does ringworm look like? I, I don't know why that was the first thing that popped into my head. Honestly, as I was saying it, I was like, wow, Keith, that's the weirdest question ever. Uh, but... I've looked that up before. <laughs> my mom didn't used to look stuff up on the internet and I've taught her how to look it up now. So now she looks everything up on Google. Everything I, I do is like... I research the shit out of everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And I constantly have my iPad nearby and my laptop's always around. And I will just be sitting there and I'll see something on TV and I'll be like, oh, what's the answer to that? Yeah, look it up. Like, but you know what? To be fair, stuff up is awesome. When I can't watch a movie on TV. I mean, I just open up IMDb and go to the movie because I'm going to want to look up all the actors and what else have I seen them in and what's. <laughs> And that's the kind yeah. of thing I'm talking about because people will be sitting with me and they'll be like, oh, who, what was that guy in? And I'm like, you know, we could just look it up. And they're like, no, no, it's on the, t and I'm like, or we could just look it up. And they're like, I'll think of it. And I'm like, or we could look it up. Yeah. <laughs> I have conversations with like that people. Who can look it up faster. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. It's probably just me though, because I'm seriously like, I feel like I get asked things in texts a lot. And I think to myself, do you know how to type words? It's a search <laughs> engine. You just type words and then you look up all the stuff. Maybe people just think I'm a lot smarter than I am. I don't know. Well, a lot of times too, you have to know how to look it up on Google to get the right answer. Because like, say you don't know the name of a song, but you know like a specific verse. Yeah. Like, you have to be careful how you put it in, because if it's like, you know, I can't even think of a weird lyric. Like, she had a pocket full of horses. If you just put that in there with no context, you might get, like, you know, racehorses in Kentucky or something. Yeah, but if you quote, put quotes around the whole thing, do they well, not right. teach that kind of crap in school anymore? Because I feel like I took a college-level course on how to do that. Or you just put a print song, pocket full of horses, and then it's going to come up. Yeah. But mm -hmm. if you don't put that specific thing in, then it just throws you somewhere completely different. And I didn't Google that. I don't know what it would do if I just typed that. Just <laughs> Now FYI. everybody's like, what song is Volley Disclosure. <laughs> but uh, I, I was just using that for example because... Like there's sometimes that I'm trying to find something up, especially like when I'm cyber stalking a person, like I'll type one thing and then see what it comes up. And then I'll type like, you know, Joe Smith, Oklahoma and see what comes up. And I'll put Joe Smith, Chickasha and see what comes up, you know, just, you know, yeah. just a little lesson on cyber stalking people. Yeah. Someday Megan's going to come back from Concertville. Okay. And so it'll be like I amazing. Was so, was so wishing that Megan was going to be on this week because I had to, I have to remember to ask her about this next time when she is is back from her busy month. But this was where I get half my information, which is NPR. And on yeah. wait, wait, don't tell me this morning. They were talking about the fact that people who are going to Taylor Swift's concerts because the concerts are so long, they're running three hours and longer and People don't want to miss a single moment of the music, so they are wearing adult diapers to the Ew. concerts so that they can just pee and not miss a note of music. And I was like, Megan, is that true? Uh, yeah. Megan, you, did you, you wear a, a diaper? No. Yeah. 
I just wouldn't drink anything the whole time I was there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't pee the whole time that I was doing my job today. And that was six. Uh, by the time I drove there and drove home, that was like six hours. Yeah, I really don't think three, like, let's even say like four hours. Let's say five hours. I don't think five hours is out of the realm of possibility. I mean, yeah. I think you uh -huh. could do that unless you're drinking. Yeah. Yeah. If you're drinking, then yeah, I can then, see it. Well, everything's out the window then. I mean, just if you're going to drink, just drink enough that you don't care if you just squat right down on the floor and pee right there in front of God <laughs> and everybody. Bring your, um, what's that thing you guys love? Your she-wiz or whatever. She-wee. She-wee. Is it a she-wee? She Get you a 44, a 44 ounce cup on your way in and then you have something to pee in when the liquids <laughs> make it on down. Sorry, I kind of took us off track radically with that, but it was that's just, okay. <laughs> I find that fascinating. It's like the first, as soon as I heard that mentioned, it was like, I got to remember to ask Megan if that's true. <laughs> I mean, Mr. Keith used to work an eight hour shift at a factory where you couldn't really leave your line to pee and people would bring in jugs and stuff and he could make it eight hours. I mean, yeah. it's doable if you don't, if you really don't want to pee in a jug or wear an adult diaper yeah i worked yeah. part-time on the yeah. weekends at this gas station that the bathroom was like one of those ones that was outside that you know you have the tire attached to yeah. a key that you have to take <laughs> i can imagine that wouldn't be fun yeah and so um a lot of times i wouldn't pee the whole shift i would have to pee like a racehorse by the time i got home oh yeah but yeah i wouldn't because <laughs> i wasn't using that bathroom there's right? no freaking way i don't way. blame you yeah, when I when I hear the term adult diaper, I it always takes me back to that news story. What was it? It's been a while now. But that astronaut, the astronaut who wanted to kill the other astronaut's girlfriend, and she drove. Oh yeah. Oh right. She that drove from like she was at the Houston Center, and she had to go to the Florida to the Cape Canaveral, mm -hmm. and she was trying to do it fast so that they wouldn't believe that she could have gotten it done. So she wore adult diapers so she could just keep driving. And it's like, I'm, I'm sure the, you know, the three minutes that you would stop to pee is probably not going to clear your name as a possible suspect. <laughs> not to mention but to it, sit in your car for freaking that long and not right? move. Oh, my yeah. God. She's like she didn't die of a blood clot. Serious. That's it was great crazy. free press for Depends. Right? <laughs> they were like, we don't condone this, but this gets it done. Have a 12-hour <laughs> drive that you don't feel like stopping? Yeah. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should write their next commercial. That's gold. <laughs> what do homicidal astronauts and Taylor Swift fans have in common? Yeah. Depends. <laughs> Now in glitter and tie-dye. I want that as a trivia question somewhere now. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's funny. So were there any weird named people in your book, Fawny? Well, the main character wasn't weird, but her sister had kind of a weird name. Kind of her sister. It's a very intricate little family unit that I read about this week. Uh, the book I read was called Vera by Carol Agarian. And this is set in San Francisco, 1906. Uh-oh. And it starts right before 
the 1906 earthquake and fires that destroyed San Francisco. I had a feeling you were going to say that. I heard the I heard the year and I was like, "Oops." <laughs> yep. Yep. Vera at the time of the earthquake is a 15-year-old illegitimate daughter of a notorious prostitute or sex worker proprietor um, named Rose and she basically runs a bordello and um kind of the backstory which they are pretty open with at the beginning of the book is Rose had Vera and was raising her kept her as a baby at the bordello where she worked and then when she became a toddler and was just becoming more aware she hired the services of a widow who also had a daughter very close to Vera's age. So from the time that um, Vera was probably like three-ish or so, she lived with this other family and thought this other family was her actual mom and sister. She didn't know that she was the daughter of a madam. Oh. Of course, the mother treated her different than her own daughter. There was always a separation for her. And she also had kind of a gambling problem. So a lot of the money that Rose gave her for raising Vera went to her own habits, hobbies, addictions, whatever you want to call them. So Vera didn't have like a horrible, horrible growing up life, but she always felt second place, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And she, her sister, Pi, who wasn't actually her sister, received more attention and everything, but they still, like, play together. But it was always very noticeable that Pi was very different looking than Vera. Pi was, you know, really... She had a crust. She well, Pi... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she was a cherry pie, if people want <laughs> piece of that no she was like you know blue-eyed blonde hair very you know very attractive she got noticed by you know she got courted quite a bit and and, and that was like her actual name i was gonna say no pi is about names i need to ask is that short for something or it's short for I, something i saw but... it on good goodreads and i'm like her name was pi what? It's short for something, but I can't remember what it's short for. <laughs> oh, okay. So something long that I probably couldn't pronounce but, anyway. Well, no, it's it's not it's not a difficult name. I just don't remember it because oh, okay. I've read this like three weeks ago. And Vera, in contrast to Pi, was kind of like olive complected, dark hair, and she was we'll say she was handsome. She wasn't like beautiful or pretty or dainty. But she was like, you know, a handsome girl. Also in 1906, which this does come up quite a bit in the book, there is definitely a lot of prejudice against Asian Americans. Like mm. you have Chinatown, um, people from who had immigrated from China weren't allowed to like own property. And they were treated like bottom of the barrel kind of people. The city itself didn't want to spend a lot of money on Chinatown. So that's just kind of was like the ghetto of the city was Chinatown. From what it sounds like, um, where Vera lived, I don't think was very far away from Chinatown. because She talks about Chinatown quite a bit. 
in her book. But also a lot of the Chinese Americans were servants at these grand houses and bordellos, I should say, like the mansions would have Chinese servants and the bordello also had Chinese servants. And Rose did come and see Vera every once in a while. Vera didn't realize that she was her mother. She still hadn't put two and two together until she was 15. And in 1906, she kind of started to put it together that this Lady Rose was more important in her life, had more to do with her life than what she had recently thought or what she had thought in the past. And so there was interactions between Vera and Rose more, and they were starting to get along. Uh, Vera was like, would go up to her house just to, you know, talk to her and spend time. And this had all just started happening. And then the earthquake hit. And um, it was a devastating earthquake because Vera's foster family lived down in the valley and the ground was more sediment. There was a lot of damage to their house and they could not live there, obviously. It was destroyed. And so her and Pi at Vera, the only place she could think of to go was up the hill to Rose's house. So... She takes Pie and their dog. It's very important because she has a dog that she loves. And you know that's very important to me because I'm such a dog mm-hmm. lover, such an animal lover. And they go to Rose's. And of course, there's less damage because Rose's house is up on a hill and the ground was more solid so that it didn't have as much damage. And then it's kind of like Vera comes into her own. She grows up a lot in a very short period of time because all of the stuff happens and she's got to figure out how they're going to survive, how everyone's going to be fed, including this one Chinese servant who works there who is not a very pleasant person. He's kind of mean, but it's like him and Vera kind of form this bond and them together figure out ways to earn money to get what they need and keep everybody fed. And of course, the bordello isn't in service at the time like there's no working girls who are there Mm. because everybody from the bordello had actually gone into town to watch an opera so nobody was home at the bordello at the time and downtown had gotten worse damage from the earthquake and of course the fires that happened afterwards so after vera kind of gets everything settled at the house then it becomes this search for rose because vera still wants to know more about Rose and find out what Rose knows that she doesn't know about her childhood. And yeah, I don't want to say any more than that because I'm going to give too much away. But this book was really well written. I mean, I read it in two days. It was good. And I would definitely recommend it. There isn't too many trigger warnings, I don't think. There is death and destruction because, I mean, it's an earthquake. People die, but, but it the doesn't, dog doesn't, which is important. The dog does not die. The dog lives, but it, it's a good book. There are other animal casualties, though. I will tell you, mm-hmm. it made me very mm-hmm. sad and I really enjoyed it. It's not extremely long. I did the audio and I think it was like it was 10 hours. So not hugely long. And yeah, it was great. And I loved the cover. The cover was fantastic. The cover is very pretty. 
Oh, and I looked up the sister's name because I couldn't not. Her name's Piper. Piper. Okay. See, I knew it wasn't oh. something crazy. Which isn't a very long or hard name to say. So it's funny that they shorten it to Pi. I thought Piper was a more recent popular name. Ever hear of people named Piper before? Oh, no. Is it a popular yeah. name? Well, I have I, no clue. I, maybe maybe <laughs> it's only popular if you watch a lot of Orange is the New Black, which I did. Oh, I didn't even think of Oh, you know where I think of Piper is? Um, What were those three sisters that were witches? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Her name was um, Piper. Yeah. Charmed. What's, Charmed. Yes. My mom loved that show. And my uh, good friend Annie, who who is one of our Patreon supporters, has three daughters and they're a very musical family and they have an aria, a piper and a harmony. And they thought cool. that it was really original. But there are so many arias, so many pipers now, like I well, know about harmony, probably not that uncommon. I've never heard of an aria. But I've known. No, I haven't. I haven't ever run into an aria. There I've are many heard, around here. I've heard of harmonies, but not arias. I know somebody that named their pet Piper, but it was after the character on Charmed. So ah, there you go. Because yeah, their pet was secretly a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. You never know. But yeah, great book. Definitely recommend it. It was uh, one of those ones that you wanted to keep reading to find out what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that was Vera by Carol Edgarian. I'm sorry if I butchered your name and you're listening to this, but as we discussed before, I suck at spelling and pronouncing names, which is funny since I was a telemarketer for two years. But yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Death and Destruction. You know, that's my jam. One of my favorite things about romances is that the author's names are very, very often easy to pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to worry about that. I don't know if people change their names or what, but they all have really nice, easy to pronounce names. And thanks, authors. Thank you for being nice to me. (laughs) You know, I have often wished that authors who feel that damned urge to be creative and come up with unusual names for their characters, it's like, please just put something in the beginning to tell us how the heck you're supposed to pronounce it. Because I hate reading through a book because it just messes with me. Yeah. Like Hermione. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the I'm great things. I'm almost positive that's what we called yeah. it for years. That's one of the great things about audiobook is that you can hear the spelling. But the bad thing is, is then when you see it in writing, you're like, I don't know what that says. I'm like, it was the main character in your book. I'm like, nope. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and forth recently on um, A Covenant for Water and like I started with the audiobook and then I went to read it and I was like, who are all these people? no i was like oh okay wait no my book is actually a whole lot about cats so my book is called a love catastrophe and i didn't get the cute little pun when i started reading it but it is a catastrophe tee hee hee i don't even know if the author meant to do that but i thought it was cute um a love catastrophe by helena hunting and god every time I love this author and I read a lot of her books and I met her not that long ago. And I, every time I say her name, I want to go Helena handbasket because there's some movie that I, Oh, I think it was friends. One of the drag Queens, her name's Helena handbasket. And I think that's the coolest drag name ever. And so 
it was really hard for me to not say hi to the author, Helena Handbasket, because she wouldn't have known what I was talking about. But anyway, so this is by Helena Hunting, not Helena Handbasket. And this book is about our main characters are Miles and Kitty. Miles, his mother has been like kind of off for a long time. And he is just now realizing that she actually has dementia and it is so bad that she had it's been suggested that she needs to go into an assisted living facility because he like the police found her one day and she was just kind of wandering the streets in her pajamas because she had forgotten where she was and stuff so he's going through a lot right now he has to kind of get everything together and figure out what's happening and his mother has this sphinx cat and the cat's name is prince francis which let me just tell you how much I giggled every single time they talked about Prince Francis the cat, because what a name. So he really needs someone to be able to watch this cat. He has his own place and he is a dog person. So he has this great Dane and he does not think that it's going to get along well with the cat. On top of that, he is he has this really cool job that I did not really know was a thing. He's like this big numbers geek, and he's also really fond of hockey. So from the time he was a little kid, he watches hockey and kind of crunches the numbers. And so he's like a statistician, but also really in detail, like with, oh, he watches how many times they score in a particular way. And it's a really cool job that he has, but it requires that he um, travels with the team quite often. So he needs to hire a cat sitter. And Kitty is our cat sitter. She just lives and breeds cats. She's this amazing cat trainer. She has a social media presence. She calls herself the Kitty Whisperer. And she doesn't realize once she comes up with the name that that could be construed in another way. So that leads to lots of hijinks at the beginning of our story when Miles isn't sure if she's the kitty whisperer because she is a good cat person or if he's accidentally like phoning somebody that does other stuff. Kitty and Miles are both adorably awkward. The first time they meet, they kind of like have this disastrous meeting where they kind of fall and hurt each other. And Miles is really awkward. And so he says all sorts of mean things about his mother's cat. And the fact that it's a hairless cat, I mean, quite honestly, I think the hairless cats are really creepy too. So he like calls it a gremlin and talks about how nasty it looks and stuff. And so they don't get on real great at first because she thinks this cat is amazing. She thinks all cats are amazing. She's this really great cat trainer. And I mean, she talks about how she can train cats to use the toilet. And I kind of wish she was a real person so she could come teach my cats that kind of stuff. But she lives in Breeze Cats. I mean, she has a vehicle with like a little cat face on the front of it. And she often wears cat ears places. She just, she comes across at first almost as, I kind of thought of her as one of those really annoying cat people. But as you read on, you learn that she just really loves cats and is very genuine about her love for all animals, especially cats. 
And what she's always wanted to do is like she helps cats in cat shelters find homes and people give her products to test out. So she tests them out and then she gives them to shelters and things. And so she's actually like a really sweet and awesome person. And so she becomes the cat sitter for Miles. And what I love most about this book, and romance readers will totally understand what I'm saying here, is that this book is really sweet, and it's this really organic relationship. Like, I mean, they meet, and they don't they don't get on very well, but then she works for him, so as they get to know each other, they become friends, and it turns into something more. Um, not that it's bad, but a lot of romances really dwell on like this instant attraction or um and from the get-go you kind of know that it's going in a certain place and this was just a very like a very normal romance and this is a bit of a spoiler but i think people will really appreciate that in a romance book there is almost always this third act breakup scene like at the very end of the book about 75 percent of the way through you think everything's going well and then something happens and they're fighting or they're broken up or something really awful happens. It's going to totally tank the relationship. I can't tell you the last time when I read a book where they just have a romance like a normal couple you would see in real life has because this book just doesn't do that weird drama thing. And they're just these normal people who are awkward and witty and have bizarre jobs and don't get along with other people socially all that well, but own it and like fall in love, which I thought was freaking amazing because it's truly not a thing that happens very much in romances. This book was adorable and it was sweet and there's a, there's a little bit of spice, but it's probably like a one on the Megan Blush scale. So, I mean, anybody could handle the level of spice there is. It was just a really sweet, like, breath of fresh air kind of romance that happens like you would think would happen in real life. Which we don't get a ton of, and it was really sweet to read about. Plus, there's all sorts of shenanigans with cats and... They have cat cafes and all sorts of funny things that happen with the dogs, cats. If you're an animal lover, you'll love this book. If you want to read a romance that is really very normal and sweet, this is a great one. I mean, I really enjoyed it because it's so different from the stuff I usually read. That's not to say that I'm not going to go and read about some guy that falls in love with his psychotherapist next week, because, I mean, I'm sure I will read those inappropriate, weird romances still, but this was a great one. And that was A Love Catastrophe by Helena Hunter. Awesome. You know, sometimes it's nice to read a normal book and not one that just has like a bunch of like just weird crap going on all the time. Yeah, I mean... Not going to say that I don't dig those other things because I mean, oh, yeah, because that's hey man, why I mean, normal would get well, yeah. normal would but get yeah, boring just, all the time. It was, it's like a palate cleanser for you know, once you've read all those nasty ones that kind of you're like, oh, I gotta scrub my brain a little bit for a minute. Okay, here we go. Cool. Yeah, I was thinking that sounded like an, an excellent palate cleanser from your last week's book. 
that very dark, dark one. Exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Like I did have to scrub my brain a little bit and this was a really nice way to do it. It's about cats. I mean, chances are there's not a serial killer lurking to kill all the cats or anything. Well, I hope not. That would be a terrible book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no animal death. It's all great. Yay. Awesome. And by the way, um, Helena Handbasket was Chandler's dad oh. on Friends. See, oh. I knew there was a reason I love that name. And yes, I Googled it. <laughs> God, I love that name. I want to change my name to that when I get old. Like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, is, it's one of those one of those names that lends itself to that. I, when uh, when I was in grad school, my boyfriend worked across the street from our apartment at a little hole in the wall convenience store that had a sign that said, "Our credit manager is Helen Wait. If you want credit, go to Helen Wait." <laughs> yeah. That's freaking amazing. Oh, oh that's funny. That's funny. So what did you read this week, Pat? Well, I, I am kind of fitting into the pattern here because my book involves weird names and, uh, and racial cats. prejudice. <laughs> oh, oh. And there, cats? Is I'm there cats? Think, were there any cats? I don't think there were any cats in this book. Darn it. So the, so I just book, had cat profiling. For starters, I had to look up how to pronounce the author's name on this one because the book I read is Suburban Dicks by Fabian Nicieza. Wow. Um, and kind of sounds like my kind of book, Pat. It's a whodunit of sorts. It's a crime story, but it is also a funny, funny book. As I got into it, I did not recognize the name Fabian Nicieza. I guess if you're into Marvel comics, you might, because I was reading uh -huh. this book and I was like, I love the snarky humor in here. It is absolutely the way I think about life every day. It's just like, can we say <laughs> something snarky about this? And then I looked up the author, and as it turns out, he is half of the team who created the character Deadpool. Well, that <laughs> explains yeah. that then. Somebody else did the drawing, and this guy did the writing for Deadpool. Deadpool is so like, my spirited animal, man. It's the only one of those superhero movies that I ever really said, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's set in New Jersey, in a suburban town in New Jersey. And the very beginning starts with a young man working at a gas station. It's like midnight. And somebody pulls up to the gas station and takes out a gun and blows him away. And then you cut to the next morning and at this gas station, nobody has discovered the body until the next morning and someone calls it in and the cops are there trying to mark out the crime scene. And a car pulls in with this woman who has four screaming kids in the car. She is hugely pregnant and she's and they say, this is a crime scene. No, you can't come in here. And she just pulls out this little toddler and goes, but Sarah needs to pee. And she's holding this like two year old out who starts then peeing all over the crime scene. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> As it turns out, this woman is not only a suburban housewife with a flock of kids, but she was 10 years before, 12 years before, an up and coming potential FBI profiler. 
She had always been the one in her high school class who solved crimes, who, you know, whether it was like who took my cell phone or just, you know, little things like that. She went to college. She was good at that stuff. And the FBI recruited her as a profiler. She was just starting in on that career when, for reasons that are never really explained thoroughly, she met Jeff and ended up as a suburban housewife and had four and a half kids, bang, in a row. So it doesn't take her long to look around at this crime scene and realize that these two rookie cops are missing evidence left and right. They're not noticing the things that are important. And she's like, I would really be taking note of this and this and this. (laughs) And she ends up sharing these ideas with the other main character in the book, whose name is Kenny Lee. Her name is Andrea. Mostly they call her Andy. And Kenny Lee is in his mid to late 20s. He is a journalist. When he was in college, he was part of a team that uncovered corruption in the state government, wrote this big expose. So he actually won a Pulitzer while he was still in college. He was part of a team that was awarded this Pulitzer. But then under pressure to keep up this level of journalistic excellence, he made up a story and published it and got caught, as those people always seem to do. And so by the time he's in his mid to late 20s, he is a disgraced journalist, an ex-Pulitzer winner who is now just barely keeping his job working for the small town weekly newspaper. So Kenny and Andrea start teaming up to try and solve this crime. The other thing that we find out that's going on in this New Jersey suburb is there's a lot of racial prejudice. In particular, the young man who's murdered at the very beginning is of Indian background, East Indian. And the Indian families, they own most of the gas stations in this town. He was mentally challenged, but he was together enough to be able to to work the gas station on the overnight shift. But he was kind of just a nice, friendly kid who really would not have posed any danger or harm to anyone. So there's people are going, why the hell did they murder this kid? What they uncover is a pattern of prejudice against Indian families. There's prejudice in the past against Black families. There's one line at one point that's, and I won't, I don't have the quote exactly in my mind, but basically they're saying, yeah, we've always been prejudiced, but The prejudice stays, the groups it's directed against change. So people in this town always hate somebody. They used to hate the blacks, now they hate the Indians. But they uncover some fascinating things, like the fact that a lot of Indian families have applied to put swimming pools in their backyards and their pool permits are denied pretty steadily. It's like, why would this be happening? What could this have to do with this murder? Why would anyone want to murder this particular kid who's at first some of the town powers that be try to put around the, the notion that that it was uh, drug traffic involved and that these families are selling drugs out of the gas stations, which turns out to be completely false. There is no drug trafficking. But the way that the murder unfolds and their work to solve it. It's a really good mystery. It's cleverly plotted. It turns out to be a good, solid whodunit. And it's also just funny as all get out. The snarkiness level is maintained from beginning to end. The characters are delightful. In fact, I just was looking things up. This book came out in 2021. And there's been a sequel with the same characters. And I am like, I am going to be looking for that because this one was 
absolutely charming if you like snark and i like snark so that there isn't much else i can say about it without giving away a lot of spoilers but one of the things that struck me in the book was that they're always making references whenever andy has to sit down or get into a car there's a reference made to trying to fit her largely pregnant body between the steering wheel and the car or onto the chair or whatever and i thought at first i thought yeah he's kind of kind of harping on this but then i am a person who has never been pregnant this is a good thing in many 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 respects it's like if you are i bet you're always thinking about that i bet you're always feeling like oh there's so much of me right now and so i think it just was a good reflection of how large this pregnancy very literally looms in her mindset how anxious she is because she really misses her fbi profiler days and this happening across this case has brought home to her how much she misses about those days how much she feels like motherhood has taken away a lot of her opportunities to use her mind and to contribute to the world in ways other than bringing up children. Yeah, she loves her kids, but she misses those old days and and she realizes in the course of this book that she's really not very satisfied or happy in just this suburban life. And as it turns out, once she and Kenny make progress on the case, the FBI is called in and the FBI agent that sent was somebody that she was training with in her early days as a profile and she also had a huge crush on him and that crush is kind of teetering on the edge of being revived so there's a lot of psychological things going on with just andy and how she's dealing with motherhood and being a housewife rather than a profiler there's a lot that goes on about the racial prejudices that the community has against blacks, against Indians, and against Asians, because Kenny Lee is is an Asian. There is also another Asian woman who is the mayor of the town, and she's trying to deal with all with the various towns' prejudices. And so at one point she's like, Oh, I need to promise them that the next chief of police we hire will be an Indian because I've got all the Indians mad at me right now. And I've got, you know, and, and so they're always trying to uh, balance those. I will say that, especially listening to it on audiobook, I found it hard to keep the Indian names straight in my head because they're, they were lengthy and they were unfamiliar. And much as I tried, I could not tell you what any one of those names was now. I would just butcher it much as I had to look up and and look up the pronunciation for the author's name to to be able to say that it was Nicieza. But a really funny book. And especially if you like the kind of humor in Deadpool, you will like <laughs> Suburban Dicks by Fabian Nicieza. Awesome. I mean, Deadpool is pretty awesome. This morning before uh, before we started doing the podcast, this weekend is the Pride celebration in Casper. Oh, is it? And so I went I went down. I had not gone to the Pride celebration before and I said, I'm gonna check this out and see. And it was it was just delightful. I have rarely seen a gathering of people where there was so much good feeling just oozing through the air. It was an interesting comparison. My husband went with me and he said the only other place he had seen something like that was the Star Trek conventions we used to go to. Because mm -hmm. we always said a Star Trek convention, you cannot be too weird for a bunch of Trekkies. Uh -huh. You cannot. 
Right. <laughs> and everybody's and, your and friend. It, and it's, yeah, every, but there is room for everyone, a place for everyone, acceptance for everyone, mm-hmm. as, as pretty much at most Trek conventions. And certainly with that same feeling was in evidence at the Pride celebration. It was just a really positive experience. When you think about it, we really don't have, I mean, we don't have celebrations like parades for th- for love. I mean, it's really, it's a celebration of love in all its different forms. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we really don't have anything like that. I mean, Valentine's Day is like some, you know, it's too reading card made up holiday yeah. where we have to feel guilty and you have to show the people that you love ones that you like that you love how much you love them by how much how expensive the flowers and chocolates are. And like gay pride is just a celebration of love and there's nothing more to it. I mean, it's pretty cool. There's mm-hmm. not anything else that really even rivals it it's sad that there's homo mesia that wrecks it but Mm -hmm. yeah i'd like to go to pride one year so i saw some pictures on facebook and i don't know when the pride uh parade and everything was in oklahoma city but it might have been during the week I, i didn't go for years because i thought well i don't know if it's appropriate for me to go i don't want to be Horning in on their celebration, you know, if, if it's a, like a special event. But then somebody told me that it's like, no, they welcome everybody to come to it. They, Yeah. And okay. So. I lied. Um, Oklahoma City's Pride Fest is June 23rd to June 25th. So there you go. Something to do that weekend. That's yeah. pretty cool. I think it's my only free weekend in all of June. <laughs> now Bonnie knows what she's doing. It could be the most fun celebration ever. I just don't like being around people, mm-hmm. any people at all. I think a lot of us book people are like that. But I mean, yeah, I've even, noticed that. even things where you're not going to be social, like going to the theater or to a movie where if you talk, you're just going to annoy other people. Right. You I still don't want to be there by myself. I, it's <laughs> exactly. Like, I feel like I come in with a big sign on that says, I have no friends. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting by yourself in the theater. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to watch the movie. Yeah. Okay, dude, you want to talk about having no friends. Well, that's a weird segue into this, but I have, I feel like I have to bring this up because I'm like, I'm fascinated by this story that I saw in the news yesterday. Did you see this thing about the virgin birth with the crocodile? What? What? <laughs> so a Costa Rican like um, reptile park enclosure <laughs> has had this American crocodile. It's been isolated in an isolated enclosure for the last 16 years. And for the first time ever, she has a bunch of eggs. She laid eggs. But did it, are they like chickens where they can lay eggs no, without no. them being fertilized? No. This is like an actual, like so she somehow, so the eggs have 99.9% of her DNA because she like fertilized, I don't know how it happened. And they're like, so somehow she made asexual reproduction happen in a species that's never done that before. Religion? Are we? <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, that just oh, makes virgin. me think of Jurassic Park. Well, oh yeah, but they were all saying. female dinosaurs. That's why the end because end. because life will find a way. Right. That right. Down. Life will find a way. That is weird, though. I'm like I mean, to think that fascinated. That... I'm, I'm gonna be really disappointed if I find out that some little punks like 
Putting I eggs guess, in there? No. I don't I keep thinking that somehow it's a scam and somebody messed around and did something. Like, although I don't know exactly what they do, but I mean it's Would like this huge sneak, thing. Sneak a male crocodile in there and then sneak him out. But uh, we're dealing with more of like, crocodiles. I don't know, an injection of some sort. Uh, it's not like a Pomeranian what. that you take to the dog park and say, oh no, he's fixed. Don't worry. <laughs> crocodile might bite back. So I guess it's virgin birth. So maybe they hatched already and that's how they know that, it, that she has the DNA. See, the article I'm looking at now doesn't really explain it, but I read something last night about how it's like, God, the the babies have like exclusively her DNA rather than 50% hers and 50% someone else, which is how they know that asexual reproduction happened. And I'm like, dude. That's like cloning almost. Right? Yeah, that's This is like the most amazing crocodile. I'm like, dude. And this is why we should never, ever, ever create a dinosaur or even maybe a woolly mammoth or whatever the hell we were talking about that people are doing because they're idiots. Um, Like, let's not mess with it because, yeah, you say, oh, I'm only going to make a male and I won't make any others. And dude, no, because they'll find a way and then we'll be so screwed. I'm already pissed about all the AI garbage because I feel like Terminator should have been a big enough, like, warning sign for everyone but no ai this is this is spooky i went to an author signing last week an author that i've reviewed some books from in the past ron francel who writes mostly true crime but also uh mystery novels yeah he was here to sign his latest one uh death row that i talked about a few weeks ago and he said he was at a writer's dinner convention dinner thing and the keynote speaker gave what he thought was a really good speech. He didn't go into detail about what it was about. And after the speech was done, this speaker told, they, someone said, there was a great speech. And he said, I wrote the prompt. I wrote the prompt, get, put it into AI and told it to write me a speech. And that's it. He just read it. And it was a bunch of writers who regarded it as a well-done speech. Wow, that's, that's crazy. That's yeah. why this writer's strike is such a big deal, because people are thinking that they can get away with not having writers anymore because AI is getting so freaking good at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, my son was just telling me about how he read a news story that a lawyer, it turned out he was using AI to like um, write the summations and the openings for his for, for his um, arguments. Wow. But they were putting in like references to other cases that weren't real. So he got in big, big trouble. And a bunch of his cases are going to get probably overturned because he did that. And I know it's a huge problem on college campuses, like Mm. a ridiculous number of people use AI to write their papers and stuff. And that's this is how it starts, people. Yep. Skynet is not that far off. No, it's not. Maybe they need to make a remake of Terminator to kind of remind people. A bloodier Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If such a thing is possible. (laughs) Where all the politicians in charge die first. 
Well, that would make it a happy story, not a <laughs> yeah. But then <laughs> not a warning. They would take notice and be like, "Oh, uh, yeah." If they're coming for us first, maybe we should throw money at this problem. <laughs> oh, okay. I see the problem. <laughs> right, because nobody's going to know what's real and what's not real anymore. Right? Because until if... they take over our brains, and no, right. <laughs> No. You know what I missed the boat on with roller coasters? And this is probably a wide-known thing. But um, you know the dude Fabio who was on the cover of all those romance mo- like books? Uh-huh. Did you know that he was on a roller coaster and a duck or a goose hit him in the face while he was on it and he killed the goose or the duck? I guess a duck? I don't know. Some big winged bird like got killed... There are pictures of him on the roller coaster, like the roller coaster's ending, and he's just got blood and feathers. Oh, oh man. And I think he was trying to, like, shut down roller coasters to say they were too dangerous or something weird. But <laughs> obviously that, that went really far. I mean, it Oh, my hit gosh, his, there's a whole video of it. It hit his face. That's the moneymaker. Wait, here. Let's see if you can see it. Oh, Do you see oh, all the... Oh, wow. I, okay. Yep. I, yep, I have... Just pulled up that video here. and I'll have to post it on Facebook for everybody. Apparently, there's a whole video. I, I kind of want to see what the video Yeah, it's, let's Although see. Although, maybe I don't, because He's I really don't want to see it. Sitting down. Bird. Do you see? It was a goose. That's a huge-ass bird to get He's hit. He's lucky that he that didn't, is, like, yeah. getting hit didn't with kill him. Imagine if that beak, like, went into an eye or something. Right? Ooh. It was at Bush Gardens, I guess. Dang, that's crazy. Oh, was it a Canadian goose? <gasps> well, he deserved it. Canadian geese. Oh, yeah, yeah, there he is at the end. He's got blood all over his face. Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. That's not far from me. Gotta look out for those Canadian geese. Ten pound goose struck Fabio in the face on its first run. It was its inaugural run of the roller coaster. Wow. That's- such poor timing oh sorry geese lovers i'm not really trying to it's just weird geese are nasty birds yeah they are geese are bad tempered and they will try to hurt you and you know my family does not believe me when i tell them this because as a child i was tormented by geese often like we camped a lot and there were geese many a times and I mean, everyone knows they're like really evil and they will like attack you for no reason. Mm-hmm. My family thinks I'm totally exaggerating. And I try to show them YouTube videos and they're like, those are staged. And I'm like, okay, you guys are weird. So, yes, if you have had a bizarre goose encounter with these evil, evil beings, you should say something on the Facebook group and then I could take a screenshot of and show my family that I'm not crazy and that geese are mean. <laughs> Well, I watched the video. You don't see it hit him. Oh, you okay. See, you see him get on at the beginning, and then you and see then him he's all bloody at the end. end. <laughs> he's bloody, yeah. Yeah, it's like Fort Collins, Colorado, is like the main stop on the migratory pattern, apparently, for geese. Well, then, I'm never moving there. No, and no, and it's a real problem. I mean, sidewalks get just covered with green, mm-hmm. slimy goose crap. And goose crap is nasty stuff. Yeah, it is. We 
we um we go to Lake Erie very often because I love Lake Erie and we vacation there a lot and there's so many freaking Canadian geese along the shores and yeah the poop is just everywhere and it's slimy and you can't it's like it's like they look for a a, a, a space that has it's like not like oh let's all poop in one area no it's just everywhere Ah, hi, book podcast. We'll talk about goose crap now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what kind of crap did you talk about on the podcast? Goose. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group three book girls tribe on facebook if you really love them share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events three book girls a steel trap production